Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. to start off telling you a story. Uh, now you need to know who wrote the story. A, a doctor did. <laughs> uh, it really happened, by the way, and uh, the doctor talked to a bunch of eyewitnesses. The doctor went detail-oriented, talking to different people, going, all right, what did you see? What was said? Who was around? Exactly what happened. And he was so detail-oriented that he talked to Tons and tons and tons of eyewitnesses uh, of the event that I'm going to tell you about. Now, some of you think I'm actually leading up to a joke. I'm not. Uh, this doctor compiled all of the different stories and got all of the accurate information. And the story that he wrote goes this way. There were two gentlemen, Peter and John. Peter and John were walking and they came across a crippled man. Now, if that stirs your interest, what that meant was when it was written was that there was a gentleman who could not walk. And so he would just sit there begging for food, money, or frankly, anything he could get. And he would beg all day and would beg in a way that would deteriorate his soul. If you've ever had to beg anyone for anything, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Well, Peter and John come across this path, and they get asked <laughs> for stuff. Their response is like, well, we're not going to give you stuff, but I got something uh, you may want better than stuff. In the name of Jesus, you are healed. The crippled man gets up. I mean, I'm sure Peter and John are like, it worked. And the guy jumps up. In fact, he's so excited that he, he's like, this is amazing. And he, and he runs off and he goes to the temple. The temple was the central part of the whole area. And he starts telling everybody. He probably didn't have to say a whole lot. <laughs> hey, look at me. I'm standing up. I'm walking around. Check this out. And, and he would tell people, they, they healed me. In the name of Jesus, they healed me. Well, Peter and John make their way and eventually end up in the temple themselves. 
and they began to talk a little bit more about Jesus, this, this authority that they were able to heal this person. In theory, you and I'd be like, this is amazing. Everyone's excited. They should be amped up. This guy who could not walk and walk, everyone should be happy that wasn't the case. See, there's a problem. Some of the religious leaders, or call them just the government officials, were like, we don't like people being healed in Jesus' name. We don't like all this Jesus talk. So they go and they start talking to Peter and John. So uh, who gave you the right to heal this guy? I know that sounds a bit like jerks, right? Like, who cares? I'm like, well, actually, uh, Jesus. They get so upset with Peter and John, they arrest them. They don't like all the Jesus talks, like Jesus this, Jesus that. They're like sick and tired of it. Like, we don't know what to do with you. We want to hurt you. In fact, in fact you're jeopardizing our, our public opinion of, of us and others around. In fact, we're going to arrest you. So they arrest Peter and John because they've been doing things in the name or the authority of Jesus. And they do what, well, what happens nowadays. They interrogate these guys. Put them in front of a bunch of people and ask questions one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. The main question they ask is, under whose authority did you heal this guy? See, none of them were debating whether the guy was healed. There was no like, well, we don't know if he's really healed. No, they knew he was healed. They want to know whose authority, who gave you permission to heal this guy? And since the doctor took notes of the different eyewitnesses, It's worth looking at Peter's response. I'll show it to you. It's in the Bible, by the way. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Uh Uh-oh. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. They do not seem to be pulling back their words. Now, I don't know if you've ever been arrested. Don't raise your hand. It'll get awkward. (laughs) But if if you ever got arrested, my guess is you might be tempted to figure out how you can get out of being arrested. In the moment, you might, what do I need to stop doing? So they get interrogated, arrested, and all of a sudden, they're threatening these dudes' lives. And they're like, so who's authority? In other words, they're trying to hint, hint, hint under nobody's authority. That's the right answer. And Peter's like, oh, you, let me amp this up. None of you can be saved except through Jesus. <laughs> it appears as though Peter and John think highly of this Jesus guy. Enough to risk their lives. Enough to risk their freedom. Enough to risk public opinion. They're in awe of Jesus. I mean, Jesus... No longer around at that moment. And they're in awe of them. In fact, it messes with the, the religious leaders, the elders of that place. They're like, we don't even know. We, if, if we hurt these guys, well, everyone's happy about the crippled guy walking. We're going to be in trouble if we hurt these guys, arrest them for a long time. We don't know what to do with them. So we're going to put them in a, a talking timeout. 
That's what we're going to do. Since we're talking about mature adults, right? <laughs> so let me show you this. This is uh, my version of an, a talking timeout. So they called the apostles back and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Commanded them. Like, you better stop. And in fact, you notice they don't even say, you can no longer heal crippled people. They just don't want them doing it in the name of Jesus. And some of us would be like, okay, <laughs> you can let me go. I got to go be back with my family. I got I to like, go wherever I want to go and, and be about, okay, oh, sure. In fact, you might even think it's, it's holy to be like, I'm going to lie right now. I don't really mean it, but I just want to get out from being arrested. But they, they just seem to be like, we're so in awe of Jesus. And they get asked, don't ever talk about him anymore in public. Verse 19. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? That's called a rhetorical question. But I would say that if you're an honest person, you struggle with who you listen to more. God or other people. Maybe you're married to that person and they uh, have a strong voice in your life. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's just culture is the voice. This is profound. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop. We cannot stop. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Have you ever thought about something that if your life was on the line, if your freedom was on the line, have you ever thought about making a list of what you would refuse to stop? What you'd be like, you know what? You can do anything to me. I'm not stopping. Some would be like, oh, I got a long list of things I'll stop. I'll stop right then. But things that you would refuse to stop. I don't want you ever forgetting this story. It really happened. There were tons of eyewitnesses. We've got a doctor detailing everything. He was brilliant at doing this. This story really happened. The crippled guy got healed. And these two guys refused to back down from their awe of Jesus. See, that's, that's what will help you discover what you're in awe of. Anything in your life that you're like, nope. I'm standing on this. I'm not backing down. I'm holding to this. If you've got anything like that in your life, you're in awe of it. Awe is powerful. Some of us think, especially nowadays, that the problem in this world is our government. Some of us think the problem in this world is drugs or addiction. Some of us think the problem in this world is our neighbor. Some of us think it's our close people around us, some of us think it's culture, some think it's, it's inside the church, outside the church. Many people, they, we got our opinions about what the problem is in this world. And I would tell you, oh, it can all be summed up. Our problem is all. If you were to look closely enough, if you were to dive in and have probably the most difficult conversation you can ever bring upon yourself, you would begin to lean in and say, what am I in awe of and what does that mean for me? If the word awe is new to you or just flat out weird, I'll give you a definition that we will own as a church through this whole year. Awe, an overwhelming feeling of reverence. An overwhelming feeling of 
admiration, an overwhelming feeling of fear, the good fear, the fear that person has power and authority. All is what we worship. All of those moments that as you're, you're living your life, you are just like, wow. Sometimes it's when you met him or her. <laughs> you're like, they're the one. Sometimes it's when you go car shopping. You're the one. <laughs> it's those moments that you are so captivated that everything, the rest, everyone around you, everything's just a silence. And all you can think about, dream about, you just, it's, it's that. It captivates you. Sometimes it makes you emotional. Sometimes it's we're in awe, sometimes, of other people's opinions. Sometimes we're in awe of a promotion, of acceptance. Sometimes we're in awe of a person, a him or or her, a leader, a celebrity, where we're like, what in the world is you? Sometimes we're in awe of a car. Sometimes it's a house or an income or a place to live. Now, our all moves all over the place, if you don't know that. As you started off and where you are now, you likely have switched all. And all is not bad if it's not just in God. In fact, I remember a motorcycle trip I took. Uh, I went to Yellowstone. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Yellowstone, but if you went to Yellowstone, you saw this, and you were like, oh, my. I, I've taken, I, when I was there, got off the bike, went up and took pictures. And by the way, I hated the pictures I was taking because they looked fake. Because it's so amazing. You're like, this looks like a stock photo. I don't know how to, like, you got to get yourself in the picture so everyone knows you actually were there and you didn't just go rob a stock photo. Because it's that beautiful. And I remember just putting the phone down and just, the, the dude I was with, we were just staring. No talking. Just like, whoa. My daughter, who's nine, loves horses. She's in awe of horses. She has a life-size stuffed horse. She asked for a horse for Christmas, she got one. It's stuffed, but uh, when you're on a budget, you know. Uh, the, uh, she's, she's got a horse necklace and pictures, and, and, and she goes to horse camp in the summer. She loves horses. If we're out in the country or somewhere and she sees a horse, we pull over to the side of the road to stare at the horse. She's in awe of horses. Now, as am I, just not just one horse, hundreds of horses, all packed into a car. <laughs> I'll pull over to the side of the road and watch that guy. <laughs> Wherever he's parked, I'm showing up taking pictures. And I, yeah, that, uh-huh, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, my wife and I lived a lot of years in Kansas. And when we go to her parents' house out in rural Kansas, one of our favorite things to do is watch the sunset. If you've ever been that part of humidity and and the Midwest, you know about the lightning bugs and in the evening time, the sun's setting. And, and really, any picture you take of it is just amazing. And just watching the sunset is powerful. And you're like, whoa. Your all will move all over the place. The reason we're having a conversation about this is what has your awe can command your heart. Your heart is so important. And whatever has your awe is telling your heart what to do. I mean, if you're like any human being, when you grew up, you started like, you're amazing, and you fell in love, and it was 
uh, sixth grade, but you fell in love and, and you began to like cut off all your friends and, and, and someone had command of your heart. If you've ever overpurchased something, <laughs> something got command of your heart. If you've ever found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time, something took your heart and you're like, oh, what has your awe? What has your reverence and your admiration? What has authority to you? Your heart. It's going to take you there. Now, here's the problem, though. Because if your awe is in the wrong place at the wrong time, that's where broken hearts happen. It's a dark place. Many of us right now, you're like, thanks for bringing it up, jerk. Like, now I'm just thinking about all the bad in my life. See, misdirected awe keeps us dissatisfied. You might even take it further down and say misdirected awe has a tendency to break your heart, break your day, put you in the wrong place at the wrong time. This misdirection is the tactic of the devil, by the way. Uh, He's called Satan, and he's trying to misdirect your all nonstop. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but we've talked a little bit about as a church that Satan, the bad dude, he's not against you and I being in awe. In fact, he wants you and I to be in awe just of the wrong thing. He wants you and I to have misdirected, just slightly misdirected awe. I'm not making this up. Let me show you the first, the first moment where human beings were misdirected by Satan. It's in Genesis. This is Satan talking to Adam and Eve. God knows it. Your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. Talking about the fruit, right? And you will be like God. Knowing both good and evil. And you will be like God. Let me help you understand this. Satan says, oh, oh, you're in awe of God. That's cool. How about being in awe of God's position? Don't you want God's position too? I mean, you could, you could, you could have a seat right next to him, right? Like, Equal. Just a slight, slight misdirection. Just a slight one. See, he's not as, as over, as much as we'd like to think he is. Just this misdirection, this slight, like, hey, it's cool what you're doing. But don't you want his position to? If you uh, have ever flown, you know how important it is this, that you actually arrive at the place your ticket says you're going to arrive. Some of you are like, Well, yeah, but if you've ever been misdirected, you know that that was miserable. I always think about people who might have landed not at the local airport, but maybe at a military base, and they're going, what just happened? (laughs) If you don't know the details, uh, if, if you're on a plane, and that plane is just off by one degree... Do you know that if you take a trip across the United States, you're going you're gonna to miss that runway <laughs> by about 50 miles, and you're going to be upset. If your awe is off right now, it may not seem like a big deal to you. But I guarantee you, as time passes, it will be a huge deal to you. Who's got your awe? Let me show you a statement. I think this statement helps us quite a bit. The great battle is not the battle of behavior. It's the battle for what kind of all will rule your heart. And church, 
I consider you friends, family. What rules your heart, I would say, is one of the most critical conversations you should ever have, listen, every single day. Because if you're anything like me, every single day, something, something tries to grab a hold of ruling you. Maybe it's bad news. A doctor tells you bad news and you're all of a sudden going, oh no, that always used to be other people and I felt bad for them and prayed for them. But all of a sudden, bad news starts to rule your heart and what you thought about God and life and people and safety and security just gets thrown out the window. Maybe, maybe you're in a relationship that you thought was like locked in at the beginning. You're like, this is amazing. Then it falls apart. See, what rules your heart is not just a conversation to have with a young child, but it's something you and I should actually lean into every single day that we wake up. What rules your heart? Oh, there's a ton of options. And like I said, I don't think our biggest problems in life are uh, the symptoms. It's awe. That's why, uh, as a whole church, if, you're, this is, if this is your first time, you're like, okay, what? As a whole church, this whole year, 2018, we're going to lean into one word. Not every week in a way you're like, really, same thing? No, no. But we feel like God has laid on our hearts this word, awe. And we have got to, in order to live the life that he intended, in order to actually thrive and have that full life, we've got to be in awe of him. If you have any interest whatsoever of how not to find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time because you had misplaced awe, then you should listen to the rest of this message. Because maybe you're wondering by now, like, all right, so many examples in my life of misdirected awe. <laughs> where I missed the runway too many times to count. How do I get dialed back in to where my awe is like Peter and John's, where no matter what's facing me, I stay locked in? Well, I can show you through David, King David. Look at this. Be still. And know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Being still is the first step in restoring your awe. And you and I have failed at being still. Now, so, okay. Some of you have done a brilliant job. Most of us, you're like, be still? When? You're, like, you're already going, it's impossible. I have minions in my home. Being still is impossible at home. Then I go to work, can't be still there, I get fired. Being still is absolutely impossible. Be still, come on. Be still? And some of you are even further, because you know who wrote this. You're like, yeah, King David wrote this. Uh, kings can do whatever they want to do. Well, let me show you, let me show you how he was still. This, this will help. Since Psalms, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Now, I get told this all the time, so let me just correct something. Sometimes like, you know, David, David, I like to meditate. Is that okay? 
Yes. As long as you're meditating on the right thing. I recommend you don't meditate on trees or meditate on things that are temporary. I suggest you don't meditate on feelings and emotions. I will meditate on your majestic, God's majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. I will meditate. Do you know that you cannot meditate in motion? You're going to be like, oh, David, I'm meditating all day long. I drop my kids off school. I'm meditating. No, you're not. You're losing your mind is what you're doing. <laughs> you, you, you can't like meditate and be doing 13 other things at the same time. Most of us at least have it in our brains. The idea of meditation is like, okay, it's chill. It's, it's pretty much typically by ourselves. And King David, he got it. He's like, oh, I know how to be in awe of God. Be still. Now, some of us like, oh, that's the answer? All I got to do is be still? Fine. No, actually, you can be still and be wrong. David, let's pick on him. Great example. Uh, one time he chose to be still and just be still. He did not go to war. Kings were supposed to go to war. <laughs> he said, nope, I'm not going to war. So he was still and stayed home. Saw a lady that he was tempted by and had an affair, which then eventually led to a murder of her husband. Being still right in that moment cost him dearly. Another moment, there was a rape that occurred in David's family, and it was horrible. And you would think, okay, let's prosecute. Let's, let's do something. No, he was afraid of how people would perceive it and what would happen as an outfall of that. So, so he's like, all right, shh. We're not going to do anything about it. We're going to be still. So you don't just read a portion of a verse and say, that's the answer. That's what I like. Finally, permission to quit some stuff. Permission just to like tell people, no, I can't talk to you. You're done. It's not about tuning people out. Don't just be still. If you just choose to be still to stop, you're going to find yourself in some horrible situations. Let's finish just focusing on God's greatness is the most crucial part about being still. You don't just be still. If you just get still and stop, bad decisions. Let me show you the verse again. Be still and know that I am God. If you don't understand how to understand this, be still and determine who's your God. Be still and lock it in every morning, every day. Who's going to be your God that day, no matter what comes your way? Who's God? You and I make the decision every day. Did you know that? I, I don't know if you, sometimes you're like, oh, no, some people just get locked in. It's easy for the rest of their lives. No, it's not. Each day, be still and determine who you believe is God. And if you begin to lock this in where you choose to be still and in those moments of stillness of meditation where you say, all right, all right, am I God? Uh, is my boss God? Is my significant other God? Are my kids God? Uh, is money God? Is sports God? Who's God? Be still and know that God is God. Then you can say some pretty significant things for yourself. Let me bring it back to David. I will exalt you, my God and King. 
Perhaps this is how your, your morning could look. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever, no matter what's going on. If I'm running from my enemies, if things are going bad, bad prognosis, I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. If you don't know much about God's greatness, do you know that God's like, hmm, world, and it happened. You and I cannot do that. Just nothing, boom, world. Then he's like, I want to create a human being, and I'm going to use dirt to do it. If you're, I used to play in the mud all the time. Loved it. I created absolutely nothing worth creating. It was horrible. It still wrecks me that God can take dirt and be like, human being, what gets me the most is Jesus. The fact that Jesus would let himself be treated the way he was treated, that he would die so that I could have my sins forgiven, that he would pay my debt. I don't know if you ever had anybody pay a debt for you. See, many of us, when you think about the most amazing aspect to Jesus, most like, oh, you know what I love about Jesus is forgiveness. You're like, it's synonymous. Jesus, he, he gives me second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Jesus, in fact, many of us, that's what we, we communicate to people. You know what the greatest thing about Jesus is, is his grace. Oh, he gives us grace. Grace is powerful. Oh, grace and mercy give me some every single day. You want to know something? Grace needs awe. Grace needs awe. I'll show it to you. Philippians. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation, grace and mercy, with fear and trembling. That's a bad translation, by the way. Nerds like me know that, so I'll just pass on that information to you. The better way to say this is continue to work out grace and mercy with awe. To win the war for your heart, win the war for your awe. You must have a hold of this. You must understand that every day you and I wake up and there's war going on over our awe. I don't know if you've considered that, if you believe that. But if you're interested in like, how do I win the war over my all? How in the world do I get that? You have to look at life as an act of worship. You have to look at life as though there's actually, okay, there's, there's worship that I, I, I do privately and I do it publicly. And you got to make sure it's a part of your life. It's not just like, well, if I'm a good Christian, Maybe. No, private worship. Let's talk private worship. If you want to actually win the battle, if you want to make sure that you don't end up missing the runway, if you want to make sure that you're not in the wrong place at the wrong time, if you're actually staying where you're supposed to, if you want life to be the full life, this is a part of it, of the battle. You need to figure out how to get the Bible in front of you, I'd say, each and every day. The beauty is there are apps that will... Just send you a text or, or remind you. It will even read you the Bible. It's amazing. 
amazing. And you're like, but I don't understand the Bible. I understand that. There's apps that will take you through reading plans that will send you a verse just for the day for you to meditate on. Like, I don't get the whole Bible, but this verse I'm just going to meditate on all day long. There's music if you didn't know that. There's good music. There's bad music. We won't get into that right now. But there is music that can help direct you for the day. Music that will speak about who God is. There's a prayer list you should make. I know oftentimes you, you're going to hear a pastor such as myself say, hey, you should pray more often. Okay. And when things get bad, God fix this. God, thank you for this meal. What I would recommend is that you amp it up and you make a list of people and moments, organizations, your church, leaders, that you make a list of people that you wish you prayed for more often Start with the list. And in fact, I want to be more of a guide for you. We as a church want to be a guide. So we created something called a series guide. For the last 10 series, you can go online and see this. For the last 10 sermon series we've done where it talks about each week. So this particular series, all week one notes, all the verses that I read to you, the points, all of that is available on the internet. <laughs> And you can remember it and focus on it. There's even notes you can download, playlists that will help even guide your worship for the day. It's a series guide just to help each of us. In fact, even what gets posted later are discussion notes. If you're like, hey, I want to take that, that sermon that whoever preached that, I want to take it a little bit further. There's discussion notes to begin to learn. You don't have to go search somewhere or pay for something. You can get it for free. It's right there, a series guide, because we just want to guide people to being in awe of God. And this will require you to do something in your private life. There's also a, a public part to this, public worship. We're gathering is critical. Someone was like, oh, I know why we gather, because, well, the pastor gives us the stink eye if we see him out in public, because we didn't go to church that weekend. No. <laughs> there, gathering is critical because community is critical. I'm fascinated that people will say, I'm not a part of church. I hate organized religion. Well, Jesus went to church, so you got to figure it out somehow. It's critical we gather. And you will not get a star on a chart uh, if you're part of this church. Uh, it would cost too much money to put that chart together. It just. But you need to know that if you want to have your all in the right place, you need to figure out how to gather regularly. And we sing together. You may not like to sing publicly, but at least take the words and begin to press them into your soul and learn. We gather together and learn together. We will worship together. We'll have communion together. We will be a part of critical moments together. And then don't miss one of the most important ones. Tell people, you're like, but I don't know how they're going to react, David. I imagine Peter and John felt the same way. I'm not sure when they woke up that morning, they're like, hey, we're going to get arrested today. See, many Christians begin to feel like church is not deep enough simply because they've stopped telling people who Jesus is. They've stopped showing them. This year, this church is going to lean in to making sure that we believe God is God, that we are in awe of Him, not the problems of this world, not our current circumstances, but that we are in awe of God. It does not give you a perfect life, but it gives you a life focused in the right place. 
So let's have a moment together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? While your heads are bowed, just listen. Just listen to what I'm going to say. Perhaps this week you will choose to find a moment to be still. Be still and know that if you have kids, they are a blessing from God and he should be praised for it. Perhaps this week you will be still and if you have a job, you will thank God for that job whether you like it or not and you will thank him for providing it. Perhaps this week you will be still. And if you have a dollar in any bank account, you will praise God for that dollar and his provision. Perhaps this week when you sit down at a meal, you will stop and be still and praise God for yet another time providing you with a meal. If you have people in your life that are important to you, perhaps this week you will be still and you will thank God for the important people and the valuable people in your life. I believe God's word for you this week and beyond is to learn to be still and know that he is God. Whatever you're currently walking through, be still and know that God is God. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and He loves you. God, we acknowledge that you have full authority over everything. God, we acknowledge in this moment and beyond that you have no limitations that you can intervene wherever you want, whenever you want, however you want. God, that you have provision and opportunity, that you have grace and mercy at your disposal. God, you are almighty. You are magnificent. And God, we confess to you right now that we do not agree with your ways all the time. But Lord, we know your ways are perfect and that you are a good God. And so our hearts are bowed to you, acknowledging that you are absolutely amazing. God, would you help us to stay on course? Help us to have all in you each and every single day. Lord, I pray for us as a church, as we go in even to the next couple weeks talking about how to listen to you, how to step in faith, how to believe you're real and to walk a life like that, God, would you give us a craving for that, to know those answers and to live them out. We love you so much, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.